Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Method Podcast, where we talk with independent authors about their process and how they can help you along your writing journey. I am your host, best-selling and PenCraft award-winning author, Andrew J. Brandt. Before we get to our guest today, this episode of the Indie Author Method is brought to you by Boardwalk T-Shirts. Founded in Los Angeles, Boardwalk is an artist-owned and operated brand offering a fun selection of gifts and apparel for men, women, and kids. Their products are designed and hand-printed in their L.A. area headquarters using eco-friendly water-based inks. Not only did they create one of my absolute favorite t-shirts, but they believe in high-quality, affordable products featuring on-trend original designs, outstanding customer service, and minimizing environmental impact with their production and shipping practices. Like I said, I love the Support Your Local Library t-shirt. I wear it all the time, and you can get one too. So get 10% off your next purchase at Boardwalk T-Shirts by using promo code INDIE at BoardwalkT-Shirts.com. That's promo code INDIE at BoardwalkT-Shirts.com. This episode is also sponsored by Bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. They believe that bookstores are essential to a healthy culture. They're where authors can connect with readers, where we discover new writers, where children get hooked on the thrill of reading that can last a lifetime. They're also anchors for our downtowns and communities. As more and more people buy their books online, Bookshop.org wanted to create an easy, convenient way for you to get your books and support bookstores at the same time. By design, Bookshop.org gives away over 75% of their profit margin to stores, publications, authors like me, and others who are making up thriving, inspirational culture around books. I haven't been to the big store, you know what I'm talking about, in a very long time. I always use Bookshop.org, and you can too, and support this podcast by shopping at Bookshop.org slash shop slash writerbrand. I know that's a doozy, so links to both Bookshop and Boardwalk t-shirts will be linked in the show notes. So, let's get on to the show. Today on the show, I'm joined by Lindsay Jessianowski. She holds a bachelor's in education from Bethany College and a master's from WVU in curriculum. But most importantly to this show, she's a romance writer. And her first novel, Alone Together, is due out in April. We will get into the process of writing her debut, the romance genre as a whole, and what it means to be indie in such a competitive market. Lindsay, how are you? I'm good, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time to uh, hop on the podcast with me. Is this your first official interview? It really is. I'm really excited, though. I've secretly always wanted to be on a podcast, so uh, this is really exciting. Well, that's great. Uh, Let me ask you, so I always kind of start each episode with this question. Um, How did you become a writer? What made you want to be a writer? Well, I've wanted to write pretty much since I knew what writing was. I have notebooks filled at home with just random stories and ideas that I came up with as a kid. And as I grew up and, you know, I had a love for reading and, you know, the wanting to write a story just kind of felt natural, but I just didn't know what genre or what I wanted to do. And so instead of writing a book, I became a teacher and taught creative writing. So I was helping others foster their ideas and, then fast forward a few years later, I had my my girls and I'm a stay-at-home mom and the pandemic hit and I just started reading lots of romance novels, rom-coms, and 
I thought, I think this is what I want to write. And I just decided to do it. It was, I had the time, um, although my kids were around a lot, so that was a little bit tricky, but I thought if I don't do this now, then I don't know when I'll get a chance. So I just did it. And that's basically how I came up with Alone Together and how I am about to publish my very first novel. That's fantastic. Let me ask you, um, you know, you said you kind of grew up reading. What what were the things mm-hmm. that you grew up with um, that, that fostered that love of not only, not only reading, but also a love of storytelling in general and fostered that idea of creating your own stories? I had a very vivid imagination as a child. I still do. And so I think that played a big part with writing. But as far as reading, and this is going to sound really silly, but um, children of the 90s will understand the Book It program was my... <laughs> oh, <laughs> my goodness. Big, that was some big motivation. You know, you got your pizza, you got your little sticker on your yeah. uh, badge. You know, that's that's motivating for a child. So we had little contests in grade school to see who could read the most books and things like that. So once you got your book it badge filled, then they put stickers up on the wall of the classroom beyond that. So it's like you wanted to have the most stickers. So that was motivating, but mostly just finding books that I enjoyed reading. That that was a big thing because a lot of what was assigned in school wasn't really my cup of tea. So it was fun to do that kind of reading for fun, not because I had to. And so that's where I think my love of books and my love of reading really developed at a young age. And plus I grew up in a home where my mom read to me a lot. I had a younger brother, so I read to him. And so reading and language and writing has always been a part of my life and a really big interest. And pizza. Yes, and pizza. And well, pizza. obviously pizza. Well, that's like, last year when I was reading, or during the pandemic when I was reading so much, my husband actually joked. He goes, "Are you trying to win a pizza? Because you know, like that's not a thing for a thirty-six-year-old <laughs> anymore." <laughs> even so, now, as even a thirty-five-year-old, I finish a book and I go, "Where's my Where's my pizza? Where, where's my pizza?" <laughs> uh, grew up reading. Uh, grew mm-hmm. up love of storytelling. Um, what are some of those books, though, that, that really that you kind of remember, you know, reading as a as a kid? Oh my gosh, Amelia Bedelia. Amelia I have Bedelia. to say, I re- I related to Amelia Bedelia so much. Um, just trying to do your best and maybe not always getting it right. It was a refreshing change of pace from some of the more serious things that we read in school. I loved her. The Babysitter's Club, you know, once you got into larger books, uh, I loved those. Those were a lot of fun. And anything Dr. Seuss, which is funny because my mom actually kept, we had several Dr. Seuss hardback books and she kept them and I didn't know that she had kept them. And a couple years ago, she got them out of storage and gave them to me. And now my daughters are reading the exact same books that I did. And it's funny because I wrote my name in them. And my, my oldest was like, wow, your handwriting. Like, you know what? I was five, <laughs> you know, leave me alone. But it's, it's kind of nice to have those things to hand down. And, uh, and I'm really appreciative of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, those are And, those and are kudos fun. to your mom for hanging on to those. I know, right? That was such a surprise. I knew there were some things she hung on to, but I mean, those were, and they were in really good shape for as much as they were used. So that was, that was a really cool moment to sit down with my girls and read books that I vividly remember reading when I was their age. It was very cool. If you're anything like me, I'm just going to take a gander and say that 
alone together is probably not your first attempt at writing a book then. It is not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's go into that process because I think for independent authors and for aspiring authors who who are listening to this, there's several stories, uh, myself included, where I've got, you know, goodness, a dozen start-stop stories on my laptop. You know, I've been wanting to be a writer, wanted to be a novelist since, I mean, since I was a kid too. Um, Tell me about your you know, t- tell me about that uh, for you. You know, being a, uh, you know, wanting to be a writer, an aspiring author, and trying to find the right story to tell. Yeah, so that that's really an interesting. This, this is this is going to sound a little crazy. I started my very first. I never finished a book because, and, and that's probably looking back, probably not a great thing to admit because I feel like I should have at least finished what I started. And maybe I could have turned it into something, but these were so bad. It wasn't even worth it. Um, But in college, I wrote a shorter story just about, I don't know, college life. And I don't know who would want to read such a thing. It was more, it wasn't a diary, but it was, it it was someone who's like me and it it just was wrong for all the wrong reasons. And um, so, yeah, I, that, that was awful. And then I remember dabbling with children's writing. Um, this was when I, I was in college and going into undergrad, or I'm sorry, graduate school. And I thought, oh, well, maybe the natural progression would be I should write a children's book, you know, since I'm going to be teaching children. And that was awful, too. So <laughs> I, I, I pretty much just stopped then because I was like, well, you know, this is this is pretty bad. And I have a lot of news writing experience, which is very, very different from writing a novel. So I thought maybe that's just where my talents were, that that's what I was meant to write. But it's very boring, or at least I was bored with it. So I'm really glad that I found a genre that I love to write. I found a genre that I could relate to. And I found a genre that I'm hoping other people will say oh, she's really good at writing this because the other attempts that I've had were the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. So, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, actually, I love romance. Um, I love the genre. Um, there are several authors in the genre who I consider friends. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see Alone Together finally come out. Um, Thank you. You know, you, you sent me a... Uh, uh, a, almost a draft copy yeah. Uh, yeah, a few months ago and ran through it and absolutely adored it and could not wait for the final project. A lot has changed. I'll a lot. Okay. A lot Good. has changed for the better. I, I hope um, it, it's funny because, you know, I know those first drafts are a mess and since As I they should be. Well, and they, yeah, it, it's, it's a point to grow from really. And, you know, it's funny because I taught creative writing and all these things I was telling my students when I sat down to actually write, it was like, I was a terrible, I, I'm, I'm a good teacher, but I don't practice what I preach. And so I sat down after that first draft and I was like, Oh, this is terrible. But then I was like, I'm always telling my kids it's supposed to be terrible. Like this is your starting point. But for some reason, when it comes to yourself, you know, they say doctors make terrible patients. I think, teachers make terrible, I don't know. I I just was critiquing everything. 
And for some reason, I thought I was above those rules and thought, oh, the first draft, because I teach this stuff, should be perfect. And I, I'm human and I'm learning the process myself. So, no, it was it was far from perfect. And, and I'm OK with that now. But at the at the time, I just I, I was a little baffled. I, I thought it should have been better. So it was a little discouraging. But it turns out everybody has a terrible first draft. So I felt welcome in the club. So. I can totally relate. Um, yeah, I uh, writing my first novel, you know, finishing that first one, The Treehouse, back in 2018. There was this this self imposed weight on my shoulders of this mm. has to be perfect the first time. And like anything you do, you get better at it with repetition. And so even um, I am better at creating terrible first drafts, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I... I'm completely okay with little notes in and jotted in the in the margins or having you know 20 or 30 handwritten pages over here and five six thousand words in a word document over here uh just to get the story out and it's neil gaiman that says um you can't fix what isn't already created uh, and, I've, and I've bastardized that that quote so mm-hmm. i shouldn't say that neil gaiman said that because that's not his exact quote but it's <laughs> it's it's essentially you cannot fix a blank page. Exactly. And, and, I, and I think that was hard for me to overcome was to just even start that because I thought from the beginning, this has to be perfect, you know, and, and it doesn't, and it shouldn't be. And it definitely was not. So, yeah. <laughs> so even though this is your, your first completed novel mm-hmm. and, and the first book that you're, you're putting out, like you said, you've had several attempts uh, in the past. How has your writing style change? Has your process changed? Um, and how did that help equip you to finishing your first novel? My process has changed a lot, just even from when I started Alone Together to when I finished it to even now as I'm starting my second book. I The best advice, Lindsay Harold, she's one of my critique partners and her books are amazing. But she told me after she read one of my early drafts of Alone Together she told me something so profound and I, I, I want to get it hung up somewhere, but she said, show, don't tell. And I was, and I just, and I, it's so simple. And so, but I, as I went through and reread the draft that she had critiqued and I was like, I'm just telling what's going on. And it brought me back to my news writing days. I'm like, that's exactly what they always told us was to tell, don't show, you know, so pretty much once I ignored all my journalistic instincts, the story took on a life that I couldn't even have imagined just from that one simple piece of advice. So that was a huge, I think, breakthrough for me because it was adding dialogue. It was adding more emotion and feeling instead of just saying, you know, he was upset by the news. There were so many other ways I could say that without actually saying it. And that just brought the story, you know, the story was brought to life through my words, but that advice she gave me just made it jump off the page. So that was a big thing. The other, what I'm starting to learn about myself as a writer is with Alone Together, I started it 
the summer of 2020. So we were just coming off that crazy school year where my oldest was home and I was homeschooling preschool, which was insane. And going into a summer where everybody was home all the time. And that's when I started writing, which probably wasn't the best time to start, but I had the ideas and I just wanted to do it. And so for me, the only time I really had to write was to open my laptop and just sit down. So I pretty much for those that don't know plotting versus panting um i pretty much pantsed the first three quarters of alone together and once i got to the the last 25 percent of the book i started writing more like loose outlines um like story mapping like mapping out a couple of the last scenes because i really wanted them to you know i wanted to finish really strong and as I was doing that, I thought, well, geez, if I'd done this for the first, you know, three quarters of the book, I think that would have been, number one, so much easier to write. And number two, I think it would have made for a better first and second draft. There wouldn't have been as many major things that I would go back and switch and change. So after I finished Alone Together and began writing book two, I started doing the what I was doing for the last part of Alone Together for the first part of this book. And the story started coming together so much better than it did the first time. Because now when I sit down at my laptop, I actually have a bit of a plan. Now, I won't say I don't do full out outlines. It's more like, okay, here's the scene. Here's some people that are in it. Here are a couple things I want to happen. On my next page of my notebook, here's the next scene, so on and so forth. So that when I sit down to write, I have a bit of a plan. I'm not just sitting down, like staring out into the abyss and saying, okay, where are we going now? So that's made a huge difference. And I know there's that constant, you know, plotter versus pantser and everybody has to find a style that fits them. Um, I don't even know, you know, what you prefer, but for me, it's kind of a hybrid of the two, which is a major change in my writing style from when I first started you know, with Alone Together to what I'm doing now. So it was kind of nice to find that I needed that balance. And it, and it's just made my life so much easier. I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, my first couple of books, I would say, were completely pantsed, uh, yes. which, which led to a lot of revisions in the second and third draft and finalizing those drafts. Um, but I have realized that my writing process of having again, a lot like you of not having necessarily a full plot outline, but having a roadmap, understanding where I'm going, understanding what the characters want to, um, what they want to accomplish, how the situations can keep them from accomplishing that or help them along their way, uh, different character motivations. Having a roadmap like that in place allows, at least for me, to understand what I need to seed in the beginning of the story so that whenever I get to that act three, it's, it's like Chekhov's gun, you know? Yeah. You, if you're going to introduce a gun in act one, it better pay off in act three. It better go off in act three. Mm-hmm. Understanding by having a roadmap, at least for me, is knowing those seeds that I plant in act one, what is going to happen with those seeds, what kind of plants will grow from those in act three. Yeah, that, that's been something that's been really helpful. I, I totally understand what you're saying because now that I'm doing that more with the second book, I'll come 
across like maybe three scenes later and say, Ooh, this is some good backstory that I should probably insert back in, you know, scene two or what have you. And so instead of, you know, pantsing this and having this all out and this huge chunk of work completed now with just that sort of outline, I can go and insert things before I actually start writing it. And so it comes together, I think more organically and, you know, going back to what I said when I started alone together and I didn't have a ton of time. And I thought if I just sit down, that's all the time I have to write now with doing this little bit of prep work before. Yeah. The investment of time is a little more in the beginning, but the product is coming together so much faster now. So really I think it's actually saving time, even though there's that investment of time at the beginning, instead of just sitting and doing it. So I'm glad I found that out now, what works for me. And who knows, by the time I write book three, I may have, you know, a different, you know, it's evolving and learning about yourself just as much as you're learning about writing it, you know? Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the impetus behind, um, because now you're on book two, which I'm going to assume you'll, you'll self-publish as well. Yes. Um, you finished your book. What made you decide to go indie? You know, what, what made you decide... I'm going to take the control of my story in my hands and, 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 and do this independently as opposed to querying to agents and publishers and all that. I wanted to have as much control as I could. I, I'm not a control freak, although my husband will listen to this and probably disagree, (laughs) but, um, since it's just me talking right now, I, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak. I like to have as much control as I feel comfortable having. And so I talked with a writer friend, Allison Ashley. She, she was a huge cheerleader for me. She's actually the one that gave me the push to just start writing, which I'll forever be grateful to her for. But she had traditionally published and then was in the process of self-publishing her second book. And so she had experience doing both. And so I picked her brain a bit. You know, how was one process different than the other? How was one better than the other? And The answer is there really wasn't one that was better than the other, but it was just a matter of what, what are you trying to accomplish? And, you know, so I took, you know, things that she said, I did some research, I talked to a few other indie authors, and I felt like this fit more of my lifestyle now, where I could, number one, have control and do what I wanted to do, include, you know, content that I wanted to include, and just have complete control over all of that, but then also have control over my timeline. You know, if I want to put out two or three books in a year, I can, Mm -hmm. if I want to put out one and I don't feel tied to that because right now, you know, I'm a stay at home mom. I have one child in school full time now and one's in preschool. So I'm going back and forth. My time is really weird right now. And I think we're coming off all of us off a time where our lives have been a little weird and haven't quite gotten into a schedule like we're used to. And so for me starting this, I didn't want super harsh deadlines that, you know, had no wiggle room and things like that. That's just not where my life is right now. And so being an independent author afforded me the option to, you know, produce as quickly or as slowly as I felt comfortable. And starting out, I felt more comfortable going that route. I think that's really important for a lot of 
uh, aspiring authors to understand too is is how much whenever you talk about having control, it's control of the entire process, and it's it goes beyond the writing of the book itself, which is you know the major component, of course. I mean, you can't do anything else without the book, but then you have to worry about um, cover design and editing and then your distribution and where you're going to distribute it and all these other factors you know your your marketing all this stuff behind it and it's how much of that you actually want to have hands on with yeah and and that's you know you can have help with some of those areas or you can do as much of it as you want and so what i'm finding out and learning about myself right now is how much i feel comfortable in doing and how much I feel comfortable in having other people help me to do. And so that's been, you know, through all of this, you know, I've talked to several other authors about, you know, how they go about this whole entire process. And, and it's, you know, it's funny. I, I was a high school teacher. And so I will tell you how much I despise social media. I think that there's a lot of negative that goes on with it. But what I found being an author that's trying to, you know, navigate this new and exciting world is that social media has been just uh, an answer to a prayer that I didn't even know I had because I've met so many wonderful people that have helped me so much and given me so much information and so much encouragement. And I've never even met these people face to face. And yet they're so willing to to help me. And, you know, it it was funny at first because, you know, I'm talking to, again, people that I've never met face to face and I've read their work. And to me, I'm like fangirling over it, you know, like, Oh, I love your book and everything. And they're like, Oh, send me your, your, uh, draft and I'll read it for you. And I'm like, are you serious right now? You know, I, it's almost unbelievable and a little embarrassing because I wasn't ready to send that, that draft. But what's funny to me is how amazing uh, just everyone's been so supportive and offering to give so much help. And at first, I just, I I, I still don't believe it. I, I still can't get over the fact that so many people are willing to invite me to a seat at the table where I feel like I probably belong at the kitty table. You know, I don't feel worthy, but they've made me feel like I am worthy of, you know, being in their company and getting their advice. And it's just been amazing. So I think for me, you know, I've done a lot of research, you know, in the indie author category and, uh, you know, done a lot of reading. But I think the bulk of my research or the most helpful things have been just from peers who have been more than willing to answer any number of questions I throw their way. I'm going to make an analogy that I know you're going to love. And it's if, if you get the ball and score, it means I can't score. Yeah. But even though I was talking earlier about how competitive the romance genre is, the authors who are make up this space and the readers who make up this space, like you said, are incredibly encouraging, incredibly helpful to each other. You know, they're cheerleaders. We're cheerleaders yeah. for each other. And it comes, I think, from the understanding that this is not a zero-sum game, that my readers will be your readers, will be Lissa K. Adams' readers, will be Abby Jimenez' readers. And the more we support each other and promote each other, the more reach we have. 
That that's so true because I they you know a few people have even said that for me like because you know in the back of my mind I'm thinking that you know from a reader's standpoint you know not actually understanding how all of this works you know just from a reader's standpoint I'm thinking oh aren't isn't everyone you know in competition with one another and that's not the way that this community works at all and through this whole writing process, you know, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about writing, but the biggest surprise to me has been how supportive everyone's been. I mean, I, I still can't believe it. And I've said that to so many people that have asked, you know, oh, how do you, you know, how do you handle this? How did you learn how to do this? And I said, I've met some of the most amazing people. And that's been the biggest blessing and biggest surprise of this whole endeavor. So let's get into um, what's next. You've already kind of hinted that you've, you're working on book two. Yes. And is it so, going to follow the same characters or what are you doing here? It is. It's okay. the two friends uh, from the first book. So okay. that's, yeah. I, when I sent my book to betas and critique partners, they were intrigued by these two characters and said, please, is there going to be a second book? I'm like, well, actually, now that you've mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that worked rather seamlessly. I am toying with the idea of a Christmas novella actually before that. Not 100% on that yet. I'm still working out some kinks, but that would also be in the same world and it would be kind of a prequel to the second book. So if if that works out the way I want it to, Alone Together would come out in April. The Christmas novella would come out sometime in the fall. And then the second book would come out early 2023. Again, I'm independent. And one of the things I like about this is I can change the schedule. But for right now, that's what I'm eyeing. And for me, uh, I still have to remember that Alone Together hasn't actually come out yet because I no. read it so many months ago. <laughs> You read a lot, like the prequel. To <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because just over Christmas break, my husband read the the book cover to cover, and he had read about nine months previous to that the first half. But that was before I got all my notes back from my critique partners and went through it. And before, I mean, you, it was the version that you read. And so when he read the whole thing over Christmas break, you know, he started back at the beginning. He said, this is a completely different book. He goes in a good way. I said, thank you. That's <laughs> kind of what I was yeah. going for. But, uh, it's again, that's just, that's what I'm learning is that it's okay to make mistakes. You just have to make something, you know, and that's what I did. I think you've given a lot of invaluable advice here in these last 30 minutes we've been together. But let me ask you, what is the biggest piece of advice if somebody came up to Lindsay Jessianowski and said, oh, my God, I love your books. Um, you're my favorite author. And, and I have books. <laughs> I have story ideas. What can you tell me? How can I be successful? How can I write a book? What, what's the biggest piece of advice you would give to somebody? Just start. That's just, start. that's just start, pick up a pen and pick up a piece of paper. You know, I, it's funny because I think of hobbies that I've taken up in the past. I mean, I danced, I played sports and all of those things to even try it. You had to get equipment or shoes or a, a place to do these things like a court or a studio writing. Literally all you need is a pen, a paper and some ideas. And that. That to me, 
anyone can do it. I mean, a hundred percent of the people listening to this right now have a pen and a piece of paper in their house. And I think that you just need to just start, get some ideas down and be okay with those ideas being laughable a few weeks from now, because I look back at some initial parts of Alone Together that I wrote, and I can't believe that those words even showed up on a page. And, and that's okay. But I think, you know, I remember as a kid, a quote that a few teachers and one of my dance teachers, she always said, dare to dream. And, and you have to, you have to dare to dream. You have to believe in yourself, but I would challenge anyone one step further and that's dare to begin. Like just start because I think the hardest step is the first one. And once you do that, and once you kind of hit your stride and just go for it, you might surprise yourself. I know I did. I didn't know how far this book would go. It was just something I started and I said, you know, I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm just going to give it a try. And once I got into it, I couldn't believe I ever thought that I shouldn't do it. You know, there are a ton of people. I meet them every day uh, that say that they would love to write a book. Even fewer begin and even fewer than that start. So congratulations on completing your first novel. Well, thank you. That means a lot. It's it's been it's yeah. been fun. It's been a lot of work, but I've it's it's been something I've loved. Looking forward to get it in my hands. Where can our listeners find you online? I am on Instagram at lit l i t period and period Lindsay l i n d s e y. You can follow me there. I have in my bio a link to my newsletter and a link to my Facebook page. So come have some fun with me. Lindsay, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, for sharing all of your insights as a new independent author to our, to our listeners. And, uh, and I hope to hear from you again soon. And I cannot wait to get Alone Together in my hands due out this April. Great. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was a blast. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you thank to our sponsors, Boardwalk T-Shirts and Bookshop.org. This is our episode for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, all that jazz. Leave us reviews. Tell your friends about it. All that stuff. I hope you enjoy this. We'll be back next week with another guest on the Indie Author Podcast. This is Andrew J. Brandt signing off.